You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You need to know what's happening. It's, 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 it's time to get in the huddle with Carl Duke, Brian Baldinger, and Jason LaConfora. Back for another edition of In the Huddle, Carl Dukes. Put him up along with my man Jason Lockdown 4. You read him in the Washington Post. Of course, our other guy on this podcast, Brian Baldinger, will be here on Thursday. And we'll all be together, by the way, as we head towards the playoffs. Jason, let's start with last night, man, as we record this podcast on Tuesday. Eagles went out west. You had a backup quarterback going up against this yeah. Eagles defense. And then we find out Nick Sirianni has made a change with the play calling on the defensive side, get, giving it over to Matt Patricia. We, you know, He yeah. said, I made the decision because we weren't getting it done. And then the Eagles give up that last drive. Seattle goes 90 yards and scores the game-winning touchdown. The Eagles, are they in trouble? Um, as a Super Bowl contender, yeah. Um, I, I, I think for them to be taken on this much water this late in the year has to color your opinion of them. Um, this to me was a spot where going to Seattle, never the easiest thing in the world. Nonetheless, you're getting Drew Locke. You're getting a Seattle team that had question marks at the quarterback position right on up till a few hours before kickoff. Um, it's a defense that had been hemorrhaging points and yards to everybody Mm -hmm. and they couldn't score, you know, three touchdowns. Um, yeah, there's, 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 questions to go around um losing both their coordinators seems like it has hit critical mass and this feels a whole lot more to me like the frank Wright taking away play calling duties and then taking it back and it not really changing much feels more like that than maybe what's happened in buffalo right where now in hindsight you're like i i don't know if uh dorsey was the problem or not but <laughs> <laughs> you now got a four-game sample size where all they do is score 30 points a game without him, right? I don't think this is going to trigger that. Um, people I talk to around the league about this, um, the fact that Matt Patricia is what you land on, that's not passing muster with a lot of people. And, yeah, whatever the offensive failings were, and there were plenty, you know, they, they had a two-score lead on the road. Uh, and gave it up against, you know, Drew Locke, who who played, you know, he was fine. But 
you, you need to stop there. Um, you know, you, you, you just kind of do. Now, again, I don't know what they were doing offensive play calling wise either. Like take it, take it on a day where you took no deep shots, you start taking them when all you need is 10 more yards to kick a field goal and get this thing to overtime. Um, obviously, Jalen Hurts uh, had a couple of passes he would want back. Yeah, it feels like they're taking on water, and that was a critical spot for them to make Dallas's loss at Buffalo hurt even more, and they didn't take advantage of it. Um, I don't know that they could flip this switch, Carl, and, and, right. and get anything close to where they were right full throttle offense and defense like they were this time a year ago. Uh, I don't think that's going to be there. They're going to have to win low scoring games like this. I think if they're going to win, because I just don't see them piling up the points. Uh, and they're probably going to, you know, they're going to have to do it on the road for at least a, a game or two. And I, I don't, I, I can't see this outfit going to San Francisco and beating the 49ers in Santa Clara, right? And that's what we're measuring that whole conference against now. Like, if we're being real, like, that's, that's what we're like. Happen. Who yep. could go to Santa Clara and right. beat the 49ers? I'm not sure it's anybody, to be honest with you. I don't fancy anybody's chances in that conference. I don't fancy the Baltimore Ravens' chances this weekend. But especially Philadelphia, with the way they were whipped by those guys at home, and the way they've responded to that, which has been not good, yeah, probably not a good matchup for them. It's not. Uh, Eagles play the Giants on Christmas. They play the Cardinals on New Year's Eve. And then they finish the season against the Giants. So it, it's an easier schedule. But you've now lost to the 49ers, the Cowboys, and the Seahawks. You've got a three-game losing streak at the end of the season. And you've got to snap out of this, you know? And so I totally agree with you. That is what we are now measuring everybody by is what could they do against this San Francisco 49ers team who continues to just run through people, which we'll talk about in a second. But I got to give you credit because you've been saying it all year long. And I'm saying, hey, they're contenders. Don't, don't sleep on them. Dak's playing great. And they go to Buffalo again and lay an egg. They go on the road. They play a better team or, or team that, that is of equal talent, equal. and they lay an egg. And, and Jason, you've been saying this all year. So were you more impressed with Buffalo or the Cowboys doing what they do in this game on Sunday where they lost 31-10? Um, that's a tough question. Uh, nothing like uh, The only thing that surprised me about Dallas was that they got beat that bad one-handed. You know, where the Bills were like, we don't have to throw the ball. We're not going to throw the ball. And they yep. hung 30 on them anyway. So that part of it um, surprised me. Uh, the the Just how that game was over. I mean, Buffalo outclassed them, outmuscled them, outcoached them, out-executed them from the opening kickoff until they hit 30 points, right? And then Dallas did a little something-something in garbage time. But, like, the totality of that being a football match that was in any sort of contention it was all one-way traffic all the way around um look I, i've been telling you i don't think buffalo's dead i've been saying it throughout this whole yep. ordeal and that yay hey who do you think's mvp who thinks the mvp who thinks the mvp and every week i'm like 
I wouldn't write off Josh Allen just yet. Now, I know in this game he wasn't asked to do a whole hell of a lot, but they've got three to go, including one with Miami that might be in prime time for all the marbles in that division in three weeks. Um, He makes that whole thing go. And they can run the ball. They do run the ball, and there's multiplicity in the run game, which I love. You, you, you've got a quarterback who can beat you on a broken play, who can beat you running power and keeping the ball himself, who is every bit the goal line touchdown machine that Jalen Hurts is. You've got Murray, who can bludgeon you for tough yards in the red zone. And you've got Cook, who can slice you up inside, outside, and catching the ball between the 20s. That plays for me, and that helps that defense out. It keeps that defense off the field. Right now, all of a sudden, that defense, they're not having to deal with as many explosive plays for the other team and momentum changers because they're not throwing it 60 times, so he's not throwing two picks a game, and they're winning time of possession where the deck, like they're back to knowing, hey, we get two three and outs and force another punt on top of that, we're probably going to win this football game unless we do something really stupid against most teams, especially when we're at home. That plays for me. Um, Dallas can't run the ball. Like, they can't run the ball. And the defense, I say it all the time, they are front runners. The defense looks awesome when the offense is up 10-0 at the end of the first quarter. And everything's a pass, or three out of every four plays are a pass. And we can move Mike around to find the best matchup and let him play the run on the way to the quarterback and let everybody pin their ears back. Yeah, well, that's, that's great when you get that game script. That's great. When you don't, even the <laughs> Seattle game, right, where it got it was nip and tuck longer than they're used to, they Seattle moved the ball over there. And that's at a time where Seattle didn't really have the full complement of running backs, right? So I don't buy them. No, I don't buy them on the road against a good offense. No, I don't buy them against a team that's committed to the run. I don't buy them against a team that's not down by more than seven points late in the third quarter. Like, no. I mean, Arizona ran the ball down their throats. Like, they take that away from a lot of teams by halftime. When they don't, and they're on the road, and oh my goodness, it might be below 45 degrees and maybe a little little moisture in the air. Come on. Forget about it. The Cowboys. They got their excuse built in. They, they clenched their third straight playoff berth before the game even started because Green Bay lost and Atlanta so, you know, Detroit beating Denver on Saturday. So they knew they were going, you know, they clinched. That had nothing to do with this ass whipping. Like, this was another example of the Cowboys just not showing up. And to your point, they only rushed for 89, 89 yards. So I know they were down in the game. And, you know, that forced Dak to kind of be able to have to throw the football. But, but they're not running the football effectively enough for me. Because here's the deal, Jason. This is what we're talking about. It's uh, In the Huddle, guys. Subscribe, like us, tell your friends, at In the Huddle Pod on YouTube. This is what we're talking about. If you go to San Francisco, you better own time of possession, right? Because if you don't, you're in trouble. Because McCaffrey and Debo and all these guys we're about to talk about with San Francisco, they're going to be scoring points. And the Cowboys don't run the ball well enough for me to believe that they can go out there and own time of possession. If you're going to get in a shootout with San Francisco, you're going to lose. And so that is my concern for this Cowboys team who hasn't been out of the divisional round every year that that Dak has been there and and has taken them to the playoffs. So it is a big concern for the Cowboys as they finish up the rest of the season. And by the way, 
as we're talking about schedules, they will finish up at Dolphins, Lions, and then at Commanders. These next two, it wouldn't surprise me if they if they screw it off. It would not surprise me if they lose to the Dolphins well, and the Lions. If you're if you're Mike McDaniel and you're preparing for this game and it's a team you don't see a whole lot, you're going to watch their previous game because if they played a team in your division, right, and they got the ball crammed down their throat. And then you're going to go back and watch the games that your family tree, your coaching family tree, played against them, like San Francisco, right? And we established the run early. We set up play action. We crammed the ball down their throats. What do you think he's going to do with his two backs? Like, what do you think they're doing with their fullback and their two running backs? Like, do you think they're going to let Michael Parsons tee off on Tua in the first quarter? Especially watching what, you know, Tennessee did to them without Jeffrey Simmons. And with, you know, now we're down our starting center and our left tackle. We don't know from play to play if he's in the game. Like, why would they not run the ball 45 times at home on these guys? It's late in the year, right? Uh, Dallas has played some physical games. Dallas is on the road again. Dallas is playing outdoors, not the fastest surface in the world. Again, um, like, and he loves to run the ball, and he was Kyle Shanahan's run game coordinator forever. Like, and Cheetah, like, I guess he's back, but you know what I mean? Like, that's yeah, yeah. weird for a few weeks. Like, what? I, I mean, I, I I think it's sitting right there in front of him. And it's probably still a little hot and muggy out there this time of year, even still in South Florida. Like, what is Dallas like in the second half defensively after they just were on the field all those minutes and getting the ball crammed down their throats in Buffalo? It's so, And then what does Detroit do? What do you think Detroit's going to do? You think you're going to let Goff throw three picks in that game? Or do you think no Montgomery's going to get 15 carries and Gibbs is going to get 12 carries plus four or five touches in the pass game? That's but the especially point. these teams that have a fullback, I'm telling you. Yes. These teams that have a fullback, they can dismantle Dallas. They can dismantle when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is the formula. Uh, it's in the huddle, guys. Let's talk about San Francisco real quick. 16 to 25 touchdowns. Brock Purdy threw for 242. Just efficient. Now, I know it's the Cardinals, but this is who he's been all season. And then McCaffrey, where is he in the MVP conversation, by the way? He's got to be in there. He certainly should be. You know, I don't know that anybody's going to vote for a non-quarterback when it's all said and done. Um I do wonder, and especially if, like, I don't think the Ravens are winning this game, but Lamar might just do what Lamar does, which is make five or six ridiculous plays and keep them in the game. And Lamar might run for another 185-plus yards on the 49ers. Like, if that happens and the 49ers win still, which they probably will, but, like, Debo does his thing and McCaffrey does his thing and Trent Williams is road grading, you know, Roquan Smith and – Patrick Queen, right? He's tossing linebackers, all pro linebackers out the club, you know, like their toothpicks, you know. Is it Brock Purdy? I mean, I don't know. Like, here's the thing. You could make the case 
for, in my estimation, two other people just on that San Francisco offense alone, who you might could argue are every bit as influential as the quarterback, the left tackle and the do everything running back. I don't disagree. How many, how many 49ers offensive players are going to be all pro or in the Pro Bowl? Quite a few. How about for the Baltimore Ravens on offense? Like we had this discussion in my radio show. You can't even come up with the second most important guy on the offense. Because, like, who is it? Like, it was supposed to be J.K. Dobbins. He blew his ACL out so early in the season, people forgot to forget he's on the team, right? Yeah. It's supposed to be – that is supposed to be Mark Andrews. Well, he's been out a month, and they're still scoring 30 points a game, and Isaiah Likely's catching six balls for 85 yards, right, and touchdowns. So, like, I don't think it's Mark Andrews. Like, Odell Beckham, he's had three good games all season. Like, who? Zay Flowers? Like, what are we – like, honestly – like neither tackles any good. Their rope, their tackles are so bad. They are rotating their left and right tackles mm. in quasi playoff games in December. So don't give me anybody. Like you want to give me Tyler Linderbaum, their second year center. Like is that okay. what we're going to talk about? You know what I mean? <laughs> Who's maybe the fourth best center in the AFC? Maybe the third? I don't know. Like is that because that's that's the argument? Like that's what it drops off to. There's not a single other guy outside of the center. Or you want to go Kevin Zeitler because he's been doing it forever. Not that he's having his best season, but like you want to give me the right guard. You want to tell me the right guard is the other blue chip player on offense. Okay. So who's the MVP? Yeah, it's a, it's a valid question. Uh, and, and I can't wait for that game this weekend, by the way, it's going to be great. You're right. Because a lot of people will say, is this going to be a future matchup? We'll see in a few weeks down the road in January or, you know, early February, maybe, but as far as your assessment, you're absolutely right. It, there are studs all over the field on that 49er offense, and they're all pro bowlers, and they're all all pro guys. And, you know, it's simple. When you got the best left tackle in football, it makes things a lot easier. And, and I think for, for Brock Purdy, that's been part of this discussion. Let's talk about Tommy Cutlets. Uh, I love the story, right? It's great. Maybe they'll make yep. a movie about it. But is it over? Because they lose to the Saints 24-6. I thought they'd be more competitive. Carr throws three touchdowns. I, I'm not a big fan of, of, you know, Carr and what he is compared yeah. to, you know, he's making $40 million. They brought him in. He's not a Super Bowl quarterback. We know that. But Tommy Cutlets, I mean, is this thing, is this ride over? Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, they're going to play him, and you, you, you should keep playing him. Look. I thought they could run the ball in the Saints, and I thought six points was too much. I did too. Um, the Saints sold out to take away the run early, uh, and they threw, threw the ball on Wink Martindale's defense, which I wasn't sure they were going to be able to do. I thought they turned Carr over. They didn't do that. Not only did they not turn Carr, Carr over, but they quickly fell behind by two scores. And DeVito got knocked out of the game for a critical stretch where there goes Wildcat, there goes multiplicity in the run game. There goes option stuff with him and Saquon. And then by the time he got back in, like, forget about it. And the offensive line was absolutely horrible. And a Saints team that's been bottom three in the league by most pass rushing metrics all season had far and away their best game of the year. Um, I do think, though, like, if you saw the beginning of that game, I thought Cutlets was going to run 12 times for, like, 70-some yards on it. And he ended up with, like, three or four carries for, like, over 30. Yeah. It's just they they – like, I just thought, keep it close and keep with that stuff, and the levy will break in the second half. But it, it really, everything went against them, and it, it started in the trenches. Um, but, like, what are you going to do? I mean, you, 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 he, could he be their 
long-term backup. You know, if they draft a quarterback next year, and let's face it, they won't be drafting super high because they've won some games here with cutlets. Um, is he the guy to hold you over for a year? You know, would you rather go with that on the cheap and try to move Daniel Jones out of there? There's not going to be, I mean, having him and Daniel Jones in the same quarterback room to me um, would be kind of silly. And unless you're fully committed to Jones, but how could you be right now? Yeah, I don't think you could Jason, be. Don't you think, Jason, that Brian Dable privately. Got to get his own guy. Yes. Yeah. yes. Own, I tried him with your guy. I got the best out of him for one year. Hell, I actually did too good of a job. We ended up paying it. But you know what I mean? Like, sample size is long enough for this cat in the league. Like, yeah, if I'm going to have a runaround quarterback, I'd rather have the guy on the vet minimum than a guy making that much money. Now, again, what do they get for Daniel Jones and all that remains to be seen. But I would think they would want to have a quarterback there. And DeVito, to me, would be like – He's like a young Heineke, a younger Heineke. Like you can have that's him right. as your bridge guy. Like you can have him as your bridge guy. Yeah, that's that's kind of how I feel. Uh, what about these Dolphins without Tyreek Hill? They beat the hell out of the Jets. Jets' is, season's over. We know that. Uh, Aaron's not going to play. They're not in contention. Zach Wilson concussed, but he ends up leaving the game. But they blow him out 30 to nothing. And I think the most impressive thing was, you know, again, no Tyreek Hill. I feel bad for Tyreek because he's this close to 2,000 yards, you know. Yeah. I, I don't know if he's going to get 153 yards for the next three games or whatever he needs to, to average. But it was impressive from that standpoint. Like, hey, we can win without our best player maybe on the field. But, again, it was the Jets. And everybody talks about this Jets defense. I thought they'd keep him in the game. It was just a – listen, Robert Sala to me – has shown me nothing, Jason. Nothing. I had fired him last year. Woody Johnson was seriously considering firing him last year. And then he got sold this whole master plan for Rodgers and how Hackett's the key to, like, I mean, and he fell for the okie doke. And the problem is now he's locked in. Because, like, Aaron Rodgers runs that team. Yep. Like, he does. Joe Flacco is not playing not an hour down the road from his house with the Jets right now because Aaron Rodgers didn't want him there. Period. Case closed. End of story. He had his guy Tim Boyle in the building. That was it. No, there's no room at the end. Don't work Joe Flacco out. We're good. I might come back. Don't worry about it. Um, They're a disaster. He's not a good head coach. There's no empirical evidence he is a good head coach. No. Uh, he allowed himself to be pushed around by a quarterback who played four snaps for him. And it started before the season. It started – you can watch the damn show. You, you, you can see who was coaching and GM of the team. The guy hadn't even played a preseason game there yet, let alone a real snap. And he's running the team. He's running practices. He's running the meetings. He's running personnel. Um, He's 40 years old. Now he's coming off an AC, uh, an Achilles. But I don't think they can fire him. But that was, that was a joke, what they did defensively there. I mean, to finally get some – from your offense. And that's a team that they've owned. Tua for his career was no good against that defense. No. And they came out slinging to really one guy. You had one guy to defend with no cheetah. And they couldn't, it was, you know, they, they got the waddle stuff going early. And then they passed to set up the run. And then they just gouged them. Um, yeah. I, I mean, the, the Jets are they're frauds. Yeah, well, it, but here's the deal. You're going to stay the course with Salah and just pray that Aaron comes back? And well, they, they still, they're still flawed up front. Here's the thing. They, they have let this guy 
railroad them and run them over since before he was even there. I mean, there was one team that wanted Aaron Rodgers, them. And Aaron Rodgers controlled the whole situation and went there when he felt like going there. And, and yeah, he gave some money back, but he's also now got $40 million guaranteed for next year. So he's the GM for next year, too. And so are you really going to blow the whole – if you fire Robert Sala, unless you are really trying to just run a complete puppet show, if you have a real head coaching search, what head coach is going to be like, yeah, I'll take the job. Oh, and I've, I've, I'm stuck with this 40-year-old quarterback, and I'm stuck with his Bobo hand-picked offensive coordinator. Hmm. Who's taking that job, right? Nobody. I mean, you yeah, could and, and think, well, I've only got to suck it up for one year. But it's also like, who else would want Nathaniel Hackett as their the, the first guy who's going to be fired of all of them is Nathaniel Hackett. He's untouchable. You're not, yeah. You think they're going to go to war with Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Rodgers is going to say, you don't know what I could have done. It was only four snaps. That's my guy. That's why I'm here. Like, they, ask Mark Murphy and those guys in Cheeseheadland what it's like to bang heads with this guy. Like, I just don't think they're up for that fight. They've already capitulated too much. So what are you going to do? Like, yeah. what real head coach are you getting? Real, oh. seriously, right? Unless, if you fire Robert Sala, you're actually even empowering Aaron Rodgers even more. Because who do you think is going to pick the head coach? Aaron Rodgers. Because he, how can he not? You're stuck with Aaron Rodgers and you're stuck with Nathaniel Hackett. You might as well interview Aaron Rodgers. Might as well interview the head coaching candidates. Well, he might as well. And he and, and you know what? He probably will be if that happens. Let's talk about the Houston Texans and the AFC South real quick because it's gotten very interesting before we get out of here. Jags, Colts, Texans, all eight and six. There was no C.J. Stroud last week. Texans go into uh, Tennessee. They beat Will Levis. And now, you know, Titans are done, right? They're five and nine. But those three teams, the Jags were leading this division. Now, they still have a better division record, yeah. but this thing's up for grabs with three weeks to play. Who's going to win the AFC South? It's right, a great question. <laughs> um, and now Trevor Lawrence is in concussion protocol, and we think Stroud's probably coming back. Um, part of me still feels like, okay, the Jags got run over three straight weeks by AFC North teams. That's, you know, they don't play in the AFC North. That's that's not a great matchup for them. You know what I mean? Baltimore's defense, Cleveland's defense. You know, Cincinnati wasn't so much the defense, but, you know, they had no answers for Browning. But if you go outside of that stretch, they've been pretty good. You know, they've been good, really good in the division. They've looked okay, despite them not being great at anything, against most teams other than AFC North teams in San Francisco. So part of me is almost like, you know, if they could get Cisco back in the secondary, um, not that the secondary was great with him, but, boy, they got nothing really at safety and corner without him. You know, Josh Allen can take games over. You know, can Lawrence cut down on the turnovers a little bit and manage them to a division title? I mean, I can start to sell myself on that. But, like, I mean, it might be the Colts. Yeah, like it might be. Listen, they got. And I know they, they don't have a great division record, but they also might run the table. Like yep. they might run the table. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I mean, what the Colts did, and we can talk about the Steelers and their foibles. They lose Pittman to a concussion. 
Jonathan Taylor's been out three weeks. Zach Moss goes down early in that game. And they still dismantle the Steelers in the second half with two, two like practice squad running backs and like like downs the rookie. I don't even know who else they're throwing to. You know, Mo Alley Cox catches the occasional short pass in the red zone, but that's it. He's on the stretch of the field as a tight end. And they still bully the Steelers like that with Pittsburgh and must win territory. I don't know, man. Like maybe maybe it's maybe it's the Colts. I mean, they've now lost their starting quarterback, both their top two running backs, and then Pittman, who had what eight or nine straight weeks where he's catching at least eight balls. They lose him in the game. Now, I don't know. Again, early in the week, we'll have to see who comes back for that Atlanta game. But it might be the Colts. It might be. Jason, I, I totally agree. Listen, we've got great games to look ahead to coming up this weekend. Make sure you subscribe. Baldy's going to be with us on Thursday. We'll all be together. We're going to talk about all the things coming up as we count down three weeks, by the way. And then we're all about the playoffs. So this thing is going to get crazy. we got games on Christmas, right, which is great uh, yes. for the first time. So we got a lot to get to on Thursday, man. Make sure you're here. Jason, appreciate it as always. Thank you guys for being here. Thank we'll you, talk buddy. to you guys on Thursday. 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company.